Man, did I have a ball with Kyle Yardley, the owner of Balanced Lawns in Ashland. He has built a nice little empire for himself, and he's done it the right way. First off, his experiences in the work environment in his work world have been rich. He has done about everything, and boy, has that helped him to build his business today. But I love the story, too, about how a three-time state champion head coach thought that Kyle Yardley was too tall in fifth grade to really be the age he said he was. And that was a sign of really good things to come for Kyle Yardley. You're going to love this episode. And for those of you who run a business all by yourself, boy, can you learn from this episode as well. Enjoy this. Brought to you by our great producer, Grace Dunbar. Here is Leadership Lessons from Mayberry. Well, this is so much fun because, listen, the guy here to my right is a guy that when he was playing youth basketball, Coach Rick Kluwer, who won three state titles, didn't believe that you were really a fifth grader. I can't wait to dig into that story. (laughs) So we both know Coach Kluwer. He can be a character, can he? He can. He can. He's a good guy and and, uh, he's done a lot of great things. Well, we're going to work our way into that. But first, you know how this starts, Kyle. I mean... um, you are an Ashland guy, and there have been a lot that I've had on this show where Ashland is they, their Mayberry. I got to hear, what was it like for you growing up in Ashland? You graduated in 03, so I want to hear about those yep. raging 90s here for a kid <laughs> like you in Ashland. <laughs> 90s were a good time in Ashland. I think they were good for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they were indeed. But yeah. No, I uh, I grew up on the, the northwest corner of Ashland, just, uh, just outside of town on a same little dead end county road that's that's there now so um i grew up there and kind of had the best of both worlds growing up of being kind of out in the country a little bit but was right there close to town so i could ride my bike walk to town and go to the pool every day or you know those kinds of things i love it you know you had the same kind of i i grew up just uh west of there out there on that highway extended you're kind of outside of town, but yet you you can really get to town real easy. So yeah. you had the best of both worlds. But did you ever just head west, leave the front door, head out there, and kind of explore nature? What was that like? Because you you were right on the on the edge of of the community. Yeah, no, there was as far as heading the other way from town. Um, the old railroad tracks that used to run through town. Those go on the backside of of uh, properties there, a couple acreages and stuff. And this will get me in trouble with the with the Starnes development going in there. <laughs> <laughs> they they, uh, they knew I was down there sometimes though. But yeah, you go down there and mess around and and go down to the Wahoo Creek and and uh, throw a fishing pole in and not catch anything and start some fires when you probably shouldn't have been and yeah, all those good things. So you were on outside. Well, I don't know if I was on but you know. <laughs> Well, probably got in some trouble every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kept your parents hopping a little bit. The yeah, only way to do it, I, right? I bet they worried sometimes, but uh, they let me grow up as well by yeah. learning as I go. <laughs> you know what? Here's the great thing about a community like Ashland. You love sports, right? I mean, you were involved in sports. And let's just tie that Rick Kalura story into it. In fifth grade, I mean, you were, it sounds like you were dunking back then because Rick Kalura knew. I mean, he knew his basketball. And here you go out in a youth tournament. You play so well. He goes to your parents and says, what? What's he ask your parents? <laughs> it was, uh, there was a couple of us actually on that team that I don't know if we, uh, we just kind of grew in size a lot sooner than other kids did. And I think it was a fifth grade year and, uh, we were playing in a, in a small 
little elementary gym in in Lincoln that was probably about like the elementary gym in in Ashland, which is small, where the three point lines almost touch each other. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, there was there was me and and uh, Jared Holtz. He was on the team as well, and we were both pretty pretty good size for our our age. And uh, Rick very very politely asked asked my mom if we were. Uh, the age we should be to be playing basketball <laughs> against his son, actually. So <laughs> that his has, son was on the team. That has to be a huge compliment, though. I mean, this guy <laughs> ends up being one of the preeminent coaches in the state of Nebraska, wins three, three straight titles at uh, Lincoln Northeast, coached to Creighton as an assistant coach. You had to, we looking back on that, pretty big compliment. Yeah, no, that was a, that was really a neat deal. And um, what it had led into, actually, was uh, – Rick coached his son's team uh, for some summer league stuff. So uh, I believe it was Jared and, and I and maybe a couple others. Uh, Rick coached us for two or three summers there on a on a summer league. So that was pretty fun too to have him as a coach. At the same time when he was winning state titles. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna learn a lot from that guy. And listen, you talk about learning a lot. Some of the guys you hung out with: Trent Lonnie, Greg Timlin, Jared Holtz. I mean, talk about this, this, uh, your colleagues, so to speak. We'll use that term. That's the most polite way I can put it, talking <laughs> about those guys. What was it like growing up with them? Growing up with them was, that was fun. Uh, lots of, lots of sports, lots of basketball was, was my main sport, uh, way back then. But, um, yeah, it was, it was always fun and it was always just a bike ride away from, from somebody's house to play a, play a ball game or some backyard football or, Whatever it was. So. Yeah. You know, when you when you grow up, a lot of times you've got this vision, right, of what it wants to look like 20 or 30 years down the road. A lot of people who grew up in small communities say, I want something bigger, right? I want something a little fast-paced. Did that ever cross your mind, or were you like, look, this this feels right at home for me? You know, at the time, probably, uh, I probably wanted to get out of there. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, probably the the, the mindset. But Why was that? Because you had it sounds like you had an idyllic you know, childhood and growing up? Yeah, I don't know. Just see what else was out there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, I don't think it ever went further than the Omaha Lincoln area, maybe. Yeah. I didn't really, you know, didn't have too big a dreams to go to <laughs> New York City or anything like that. But um, I do remember once as a as an insurance adjuster, there were there were chances and interviews and, and things I could have took to to get jobs. I remember one was in Oklahoma that I, I about jumped and, and went down there, but just didn't for some reason. But Yeah, something was telling you not to. Now, listen, your parents, they're special people. Your mother, an incredible educator. So when you look back on, again, the way they raised you, what do you owe them? What do you remember most about what they instilled in you? Uh, kind of, I would say mostly letting me have uh my independence but yet keeping me keeping me in line going the right way but yet letting me learn uh the hard way sometimes and and knowing i was gonna mess up and and uh learned it that way so wasn't yeah. uh wasn't 100 guided and and wasn't uh always looked over you know all the time as far as having a constant someone looking over my shoulder but yeah no it was it was good to uh kind of learn, learn the ways I did. You know, you, your story, and, and Grace and I, Grace Dunbar, our producer, we were talking before you got up here. I just love your story because it is so rich as far as your experiences 
And we're going to talk about that for a second. But one of the first rude experiences you got in business was the proprietor of the lawnmower when you were a kid were your parents. And they came to you and they said, hey, you're going to start paying rent on this. You're going to start paying for the gas (laughs) and the oil. That had to be a rude awakening for you, wasn't it? That's something I still crosses my mind uh, these days when I fill up the gas tank on my sprayer sometimes. But um, yeah, there was a. There was a time when I, you know, I think I was probably 12 years old or so, and and I wanted to uh, get a little extra spending cash, probably wanted to blow it on fireworks or something during the summer, and um, had put up a sign out at Thomas Lakes for lawn mowing. And I had, I think, two jobs out of the deal. One uh, was mowing and using my parents' mower uh, for that, and another one was just using that gentleman's mower itself and, and going to his house and, and, and mowing that yard. But, um, I remember at one time doing the, the one with my folks mower, the conversation came up and, and something was said and they, they said, well, you're using our gas and our mower and you were driving you there cause you can't drive there. So there's gas money. And at the time overhead would be the yeah. word for it. Um, and, I, I just remember being just totally pissed off. <laughs> just like I am not giving you any of this money. I probably got fifteen dollars for mowing that lawn, and then thinking, well, why do I owe you five dollars for gas? That means this wasn't even worth it. I just remember just being so mad. But they never even charged me, and I never even had to give them any money for it or anything. But still, to this day, I still remember that lesson and thinking, you know, that was overhead at the time, and and this kind of some things that I'm I look at and think about these days when I'm when I'm doing lawns. Oh. oh, there's gas, there's insurance, there's all this other stuff involved. <laughs> yeah, I mean th- th- isn't it true? I mean it was their your kind of your first introduction, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's so like, funny. This is how you run a business. <laughs> That's right. And it's so funny how this has come full circle. Obviously balanced lawn, it is not a lawn mowing business. We'll talk about that That's in right. a second. But still, you get back to your roots of of getting into to taking care of lawns and um Man, your route was uh, full circle. There's You've done a little bit of everything. What stands out to you the most? I mean, it was insurance. It was uh, auto body uh, industry, uh, drywall. Mm-hmm. What, you know, when you think about that and you were on that path, at any point did, it, did you think balanced lawns or was this all just kind of a brick in the building uh, blocks that said this is what's going to take me there yeah no everything was a was a brick in the in the building blocks because it was i had never it did never crossed my mind to open or start a business in the lawn care industry until later until i actually did it um going along and, and it's always something i said to myself was i wanted to open my own business and that's you know even as a kid you're i remember making these weird like bracelet things with one of the neighbor guys one time and trying to sell them to I don't know who it was but um trying to do things like that and just always thinking you know someday I want to own a business someday I want to own a business why do you think that was and I'm going to interrupt you because I'm always intrigued by that it is rare that people are accidental when they own a business what was it when you're a kid and you're doing the bracelets and you go out and mow the the guy's lawn was it money? Was it time? Was it creativity? Was it being your own guy? What was it do you think that, that that appealed to you way back as a kid? My own deal. I wanted my own deal. I, you know, and as far as 
working for people along the way and, and learning things and, and seeing how they operated businesses, even during working years, you know, after college or, or high school is I just always wanted my own deal, my own schedule, my own, I wanted to call the shots and, you know, be responsible for me. Yeah. And, you know, if you read the E-Myth, right, that's what they say it's all about. The myth is that people are out there to get rich as a business owner. Granted, that can be a wonderful byproduct, but it's always about control, right? It's about controlling your destiny, controlling your time, controlling your schedule. And, you know, oftentimes people who are not in the business world as business owners think, oh, the, the motivation is just the money. But it's much more than that, isn't it, for you? Yeah, yeah, it's it's beyond the money. It's, you know, it's more the, the independence and, and kind of doing my own thing. And yeah, I got to ask you this. So you got some great stories along the way to get you to this point. You're, you're working in drywall. And from what I, I know what you've, you shared with me, it was freezing cold, might've even been icy. You're on the roof of a hospital. Walk me through this story. Cause this is a, a lesson we can all <laughs> learn from <laughs> carrying drywall. Yeah. Yeah. So we were, we just delivered drywall. We didn't install it or nothing. We, we were a company that, and they, they're still there today. And, and you just, you know, move it from your warehouse to inside of a, inside of a house is usually on the residential, but we also did commercial. So um yeah if you remember back in i think it would have been it had to be this the winter between the winter of 2003 and 2004 we had so you're right out of high school yeah right out of high school and and that was a snowy nasty winter um and that's what i was doing at that time was was hauling drywall the money was great you're just out of high school and you thought you had the world made and Looking back on it, it was one of the hardest and character building jobs that that a guy could have then. But uh, yeah, so they were they were putting the addition on Saney's Hospital on the uh, you drive by on Seventieth Street. There you can you see where the the addition was, and that whole thing was every piece of drywall that's in there and every steel stud came from the place I was working at. So we spent a lot of time there, and there was. Um, one morning, I remember they had the outside elevators on these construction sites that you could go up and down. On That's the right. Yeah. Outside. Ugh. If you don't like heights, you don't want to be in. <laughs> and then, so I remember looking down out of that elevator one day, and it's just wire mesh. You can see out of it. You can see the whole city of Lincoln. It's it's incredible. But looking down and seeing, and you're carrying drywall on this elevator, no, right? We're not. Oh, okay, calling, okay. We're not. Not yet. All right. Um, but just looking down and seeing uh, the semis of drywall that we had to unload that day. They didn't even go to the warehouse to drop this semi loads off. That's how they would usually do it. Is just drop it at the warehouse, and we would take boom trucks out to the to the sites. But instead of even dropping anything in the warehouse, the semis just came to the hospital there. So you're looking down. It's cold. It's freezing. Looking down three or four, I don't know, five stories at these semi trucks, and they're just loaded with drywall. And basically, me and probably two other guys had to unload all of that. That was our job. For and you take it up on the days. elevator, take it well, up. Well, there was a crane that would lift it up um, for us, but we would get to the, you know, there was a access point on the roof. So we were on the roof, the crane would lift a drywall stack up to us. We would then have to take that stack off of the cart or off of the crane, put it on a cart, and wheel it across the roof of this hospital in the dead of winter. 
and the wind's blowing up there. We've got sheets of drywall that are flying off sometimes and breaking. <laughs> it was a disaster. But You know, you have to be honest. At one point, you're like, what can I come up with today just to see how I can get it? You know, I might, do I have a fever? Do I have something here? Yeah. I mean, this is, you talk about character building. What did it give you, though? What did it give you, that experience? That's, uh, you know, it just gives you basically the perseverance or, or seeing, you know, how to get through that. It's Okay, you look at those semis and you think, there's no way in the world I can get through this. But then you actually just kind of break it down and it's like, well, that's only a few stacks, and then one stack is only 20 sheets. Yeah. And so you just break it down and kind of mentally get there. Love it. I love it. You mentally it. get there in your head as far as getting uh, a daunting task like that done. I guarantee your boss was like to those drivers, hey, you park right here so they can see it when they get on top. <laughs> they might see how been. much work we have. Make them see it before yeah. they go up there. <laughs> well, listen, Trent, Lonnie, and you have a lot of stories I'm sure to tell, but another one, you guys worked at Iron Horse. Now, listen, I love Iron Horse as a golf course, and it is it is maintained as well as any course in the state. But now I know why. I got to hear about this story because you know where every sprinkler head is, and I want to know why that is. I do. And, uh, yeah, so worked there couple summers in the high school days, um, gosh, I want to say it was probably, what would that have been, 2000, 2001, somewhere around there, yeah. or 99 maybe. Um, but, yeah, I was part of the first, one of the first crews that was there to kind of, not so much the initial building of it, but we were wrapping things up when I started there, and uh, the course was just going to start to open. But, yeah, there's a, a story uh, with Trent and I, we actually got assigned to uh, level every single sprinkler head on that course. So if you want to find a sprinkler head on the course, I'll, I'll show you where it's at. I know where we're <laughs> Well, I need I Normally, I my, ball, my golf ball finds them. You <laughs> yeah. Know? yeah, I'll tell you. <laughs> Especially this. if they're off the fairway. Yep, yep. But no, we so part of the, and I'm sure they still do it to this day, is, is leveling those heads. But it's, it's a golf course sprinkler head, so those things are probably... 10 inches round mm -hmm. and you know you hit that with a mower and it's gonna <laughs> send a geyser into the into the sky uh the mower will get a good washing but no uh we we had to go around to every single head and make sure it was level with the ground so if it wasn't which most of them weren't because they just got installed and there was settling and, and that's why we were out there doing right it. um we had to dig around the whole head remove all the sod, get it leveled. There's a swivel joint under there that you either move it up, move it down, move it side to side, however, get it level with the turf, and then rebuild the the dirt and stuff around it. So, so that is, you talk about learning persistence. That probably helped, helped you down, down the road as well on your business. But what I love about, when I talked about your experiences, I mean, Speedway Motors and, and again, uh, insurance, uh, selling it, also being on the other side of it, all of these experiences, and then in 2019, it just you kind of stumble into it a little bit to get Balanced Lawn started. So I got to yeah. hear, I mean, you had all these experiences that I guarantee help you today. You can pull from it. But what happened in 2019 to say, let's get this baby started? <laughs> well, it was actually just kind of an, an odd deal. I mean, I would, I would always, you know, back to our talking about wanting to open my own business, there was a couple things along the way that, that I 
tried and thought, yeah, this is it. This is my million dollar idea. Or I was always trying to think of a product there and there was tools and stuff that I had thought of, uh, along the way as well when I was in the auto body world. But, um, in, in 2019, there was, there was actually a, a good friend that he had just moved into his house and, and was, you know, wanting to take care of his lawn because it was nice and, you know, brand new sod and okay, what do I do? And he knew that I was kind of a, you know, I loved my lawn. <laughs> and, and, like carpet, uh, right? Yeah. So he was like, okay, I'll, I'll ask Kyle what, what the secrets are. So he came over one day and, and we were just, you know, I was talking and saying, you know, use this product now and then we got to figure out the size of your lawn that'll tell you you know how much you're going to put down and you can go get the bags of fertilizer you know earl may or whatever you want to do and and then we got into like the weed control stuff and i was you know telling him about some of the herbicides and, and showing him some of the equipment as far as you know just a backpack sprayer um or a you know a spreader those things and just this is what you need and this is how you do it and and he just goes well what what would you charge me to just do mine just do mine when you do yours and right then i just thought hmm, i wonder what does what do those other companies get for yeah for money you know what would this cost for you know some of just use some of my fertilizer and get a little bit extra and and go put it on his lawn what what would that cost me so and and away you go now listen Here's the thing. I, I've got to ask you if this is the key. Is, is the key to start, because there are a million people that want to start a business. And you bounced around. You got a lot of great experiences. You tried a few things, failed. But one of the things that you wrote to me in trying another business was you forced it. You forced, you started a woodworking business. And you said, and your gut didn't really feel like it was going to work. Walk me through what you mean by you forced it. So I was just so adamant about wanting to start my own business mm-hmm. and i had actually just kind of at that same time was helping a friend um get his business off off and going uh and i was like i just need to do this just need to jump in and do it so which it was, is what everyone says yeah yeah so it was actually um nebraska in a box was a good friend of mine was starting that and i had helped him out and and getting that going and um he had kind of suggested, he's like, why don't you just do some woodwork and stuff? Because there was a few things I had built. I had built our kitchen table. I had done some other things. And just one of those things I kind of liked doing. He's mm-hmm. like, well, just start a woodworking deal. And, and then uh, so Nebraska in a box, um, what he what he's doing is, is basically you can get, you know, things that are homegrown or, or Nebraska-based mm-hmm. things. And, and you select them all. You put them in this box, and, and it'll ship it off to you. So... He said, why don't you just do something that's, you know, Nebraska-based, and, and I'll buy some things from you, and we'll go from there, you know, help you start. So I made, I don't know how many coasters, a little four-inch by four-inch, and then I got a burner with the outline of the state of Nebraska and made all these coasters and, and just did this, and it was like, I don't know how long this process took, but between the stain and the cutting and the sanding and the burning of that, and just all of it, I just realized there's no way I can make enough money on these coasters or this woodworking process. You know you're in trouble it's, after the fact, don't you? <laughs> yeah. It's just there's no way I can build enough or do enough as with woodworking, but some guys do. But for me, it's like, no, I need to 
I need to process, I need to do this. And, and the woodworking stuff, there's a point where it turns into an artistic, um, an artistic basically finish. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's not in my, that's not in my <laughs> wheelhouse as far as the artistic end of it. So I just realized then that I'm forcing this business, trying to just make anything work and it's not enjoyable. I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to go forward with it. You know, and by the way, don't don't kid yourself. The work you do with Balanced Lawns, you know, you heard my my commercials during the broadcast. It was like, you are an artist, right? I, I mean, <laughs> different <laughs> kind of artist. <laughs> hey, we're taking a little break in the show to make sure you know about Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. Not many banks have been around for 139 years, but Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland has. And why? Because they offer full-service business banking, and you'll always speak to a live human being when you give them a call at Farmers and Merchants Bank of Ashland. They're commercial lenders. They are more than happy to share their expertise and to help you navigate any business financing that you may need, including SBA, TIF, or Nedco financing. So go to fmnb.com. Right below me, you're going to see that website or give them a call at 402-944-3316. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. You know, I, I think it's fascinating because there, I guarantee there are people out here listening to this show today saying, man, I really want to be a business owner. Kyle, give me some advice. Give me what, what should be my steps that I take because you you just explained, people say jump into it. So you had this this thought, this inspiration, you jumped into it, it wasn't right. Years later, a guy comes to you and says, hey, let's walk through this, what would you charge me? So what advice would you give to someone who says, I really want to start a business, I feel like I'm in a box at work, I want to do this, how do they walk through that process? That's a tough one, but I would say beginning, you need definitely have some patience. And, and find something that you love to do. Mm-hmm. That's, you hear that all the time, and, and it actually, you know, hit home for me when when I started doing this. It's like, okay, yeah, this is something I'm passionate about and like doing, um, but the patience as far as getting there was was probably a, the start. Yeah, yeah. So here you at 350 yards and, and you're going and growing. What I love also about your story is you're doing all this yourself. And, you know, you had talked to me earlier, you talked about leadership and said, hey, I said, there are so many people that are interested in this whole proprietary, you know, uh, business ownership, because there are a lot of folks out there that want to, one, just some completely work by themselves, right? But it also takes a lot, you know, to do this. So walk me through when you think of just being a business owner simply by yourself and getting to 350 yards, um, what helped to get you there? Because you did this all by yourself. And then I want to take a second part to that question. So let's just start with this. I mean, how do you get to that point doing it all by yourself? You know, a lot of it for me was as far as getting to that 350 mark is, is organic growth, Mm -hmm. which um, in the small town of Ashland is, is great. And, you know, people talk, neighbors talk, and there's a lot of, of good things through that as, as far as the growth goes. Um, Did you push that growth? I didn't push it hard. So 
that was another part of, of, uh, you know, I kind of transitioned from, from a full-time gig, um, to then a three day a week kind of deal. And then it was like two days. And then, uh, I finally just, you know, jumped and, and went and did it full time. But yeah, it was, uh, it was a slow process getting to that point. Um, but the organic growth as far as getting there, I think, really helped and, and those kinds of customers are, mm-hmm. are some of the most loyal and, and best ones you're also at this point where you've grown right how do you take that next how do you get to 700 do you have to add staff do you look at your business and say you know there's other ways to do it where i, I can probably stay as just a sole proprietor and i don't have to add um you know a lot of employees what, how do you take that next step yeah and that's kind of the step i'm i'm sitting at right now yeah. it's uh I've been talking to to a few guys that have asked them, you know, why are you still by yourself after 20 years, um, whether it's, you know, my industry or, or a different industry? Um, there's other ones that, that have, you know, 10, 20, 30 employees and say, okay, back when you were by yourself, what, what did you do and, and why did you do it? Um, so many of them are just, well, I had to. And... <laughs> Like, well, I don't want to be the one that just says, well, I have to and, and go do it. I would like <laughs> a little some, more of a plan. Huh? I would like some control here and, <laughs> and uh, be able to do this in a, in a kind of structured way. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's actually something that I'm, I'm looking at a lot now. And it's, you know, if, if I do want to get to, you know, say 700 yards, that, that would involve you know, somebody else. Um, right now it's, it's kind of one of those things that I want to, look at and on a control control the chaos kind of deal but um it'll be it'll be interesting to see what comes but you know i'm i'm fortunate to to have the the customer base that i've got right now so yeah um it'll it'll be you know growing maybe definitely always taking more customers but like you said is there other things that i can offer Mm -hmm. to those existing customers uh, and build it that way. You know, that's something that I'll be um, looking at and, you know, making that decision if, if I want to stay with, with it just being me. So, Well, kudos to you that you've been able to grow like this without tens of thousands of dollars of SEO and, you know, a sales team that you had to hire and, and make phone calls after phone call, right? You've done this because your customer service, your clientele, the referral has been absolutely so powerful for you a it speaks to the quality of work that you you do but b how do you get referral because that's the other thing business owners always want to know is how do i how do i ask for a referral how do i get someone to 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 pass me along what worked for you um (laughs) that's a tough one (laughs) you didn't even always ask did you actually yeah no there were there were a lot of times and and i i kind of realized you know they always talk about uh, kind of in, in the this industry, and they call it the green industry, um, is route density. Uh-huh. So, and I mean, route density, when a lot of guys talk about that, they're ones that are in Omaha, Lincoln, Kansas City. They're in the big metropolitan areas. And they're like, I would just some, someday love to be able to uh, drive less than 30 miles a day and, and cover all my lawns. Well, I can drive within a three or four mile radius of Ashland and cover 90% of my lawns. So I've got that going 
pretty well. Um, but I guess I'm kind you know of what? losing track of where we're, we're going well, with this. Well, and it, I just want to stop on that for a second because part of your marketing is, and I read your commercials, for those that don't know, yeah, I do play-by-play in Ashland and on Friday night for a little high school team, and you're, you're a, a sponsor, and thank you for that, by the way. But, you know, part of your commercials are, look, you're going to get the same guy every time. And I have to tell you, we switched over to you partly because we've known you since you were a little tyke, right? But also because you're right. Um, when I was using a big corporate service, I didn't, I, I'd get different guys and gals, you know, every year, sometimes during the year, multiple people, never knew them. And they couldn't really understand what was going on with my yard. So that fact that you, you're marketing you know, is look, you're going to get me every time. How does that resonate with your client base? Yeah. Yeah. No, it actually does really well. And and I remember where we segued here. It was actually with that, with that route density, you were asking about yeah. the, um, uh, referral bases. So a lot of times in those neighborhoods, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, say, you know, why is your, your, what's your neighbor doing? Or, you know, turn it into kind of a conversation about, what's going on down the street or they'll say, Oh, I don't know. I'll talk to him tomorrow night. See what's up. You know, there's a lot of that type of marketing and just, just the referral base there, just kind of putting a bug in somebody's ear sometimes really, really does go a long way. Or it does. Yeah. So, but no, back to, uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we're on, um, talking about, yeah, just me on the property and, and those kinds of things. But that, that actually does um, go a long ways, and 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 knowing that, you know, when I get to a property, even just knowing which gate to go in in the backyard sometimes is is a big deal because you never know. You can open up a gate sometimes, and you're in somebody's flower bed, or you go to the other gate, and you're you know that's the one you're supposed to be going through. But there's a lot more to it than just the 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 gates. It's, you know, knowing where the trouble parts are in a lawn because lawn care is a process. It's not an event. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something that you do. What I do now is kind of affecting what is going to happen in six months. You'll see results in about six months from what I'm doing at, at this point is usually that process. So it's not something that I can just show up and, you know, say, install a retaining wall or something, which, again, I don't do. But just an example. Um it's not something that's going to happen overnight. It's not an event. So it's a process. So being there, me each time, um, knowing where, say, the problem area is that you had some nutsedge growing or, you know, there's a certain type of weed that's creeping in your backyard from the woods. Um, those kinds of things that being that, that person that's there every time instead of having a different technician on your lawn every single time or every three times or whatever it may be, uh, even a difference in in uh, one year to the next can be a big deal. So having someone that's familiar with your place and familiar with, with what's going on with your lawn and where those trouble spots are is something I never thought of in the beginning as far as being a guy on my own. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that I struggle with as far as um, building is so if I do want to build uh, here later on down the road, it's, you know, how do I do that? And maybe it's getting a, a guy that's kind of having his own route, getting familiar with its own, you know, lawns and, and not uh, jumping around. So. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about mentors. I want to start with a business mentor, someone that 
sits in your noggin here when you think about how you run your business, how you build your business? Who is a business mentor or is a business mentor of yours? Um, that's a tough one. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> Too been many a, of them. there's been a few along the way that um you know that I've worked for and and I've um been there and and learned some things and then there's also ones that are you know a, a little bit further away so um I will give a give a thanks to Dave Yard at at the Collision Center um there in town I actually worked for Dave uh three different times throughout <laughs> In three different jobs, right? Three different positions there, and and every time I left there, it was on to to something bigger, and you know it was kind of building blocks that I didn't realize were being built at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know some of the things that that he does, and and you look up good guy and and most honest guy in the in the not the dictionary, but I guess it would be an encyclopedia. Is that that how the term goes? Well, with Dave, it would be for sure. Okay, so. but yeah, good guy and an honest guy. And, um, that's one of the, you know, some of the things I've learned about just business in general is if you're honest and you keep the customer informed and you, you know, let them know what's going on and what's expected, you can sleep pretty well at night. Mm-hmm. You're not going to mm-hmm. go to bed with a bunch of worries and, and, and stress out of the deal. So, um, some, some good things out of, out of that, um, Britt Dowd is a uh, business owner down in uh, kind of Kansas City area, I think just outside, maybe Overland Park. But he's got a, a podcast that I listen to every single episode when I got into this. And it was just one of those that I dove into, I don't know, two or 300 episodes that um, really learned a lot from and then emailed back and forth a few times. Um, he's started same story as me, basically. And then um, even... He even worked in insurance a little bit and realized that it wasn't for him. So um, we share a lot of things, and, but he's got, uh, um, I don't know how many millions of <clears throat> millions in revenue that, that he does now, but he's probably got a crew of, I think, 10, 12, maybe 15 people that are that are out there. But And he's in the lawn care business. Then. Same exact thing I do. So yeah. just a lot bigger scale, but he's been there uh, since the very beginning. Uh, yeah. from where I'm at. So give me a mentor in high school. We all have those teachers or we all have those, a youth coach or someone that inspired you. You look back, who was that person for you? In high school, yeah. <laughs> college, <laughs> elementary, right out of college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, as far as a teacher, there is, there was a, couple of them along the way and and um i remember economics class in in high school uh hugh stoddard was the the teacher then and and i remember that class being one of the most uh, beneficial classes mm-hmm. to me it, in, why from high school just learning the and it wasn't so much the business world but it was you know i want to say it was the business world just because that's what i relate it back to but there were just a lot of things that we learned then as far as, I don't know, money flow and, mm-hmm. and how outside sources can affect what we're doing. Um, fertilizer, a lot of fertilizer comes from Russia and Ukraine. They went to war last year. Yeah. So I'm dealing with those things overseas that affect 
little economically what's yeah. going on here that I never even thought was something that would be important to me. So, you got introduced to supply and demand back in that day. Yeah. Didn't know how it would really affect you here when yeah. something like that happens. Yeah. 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 So I would say that and there's uh in the college years there was there was also um an entrepreneur class entrepreneurship class that I had taken uh or needed and and uh it was one of those where you build a a mock business and and do those things. So. Yeah, I heard your pizza business kind of stole the show in that <laughs> class, didn't it? It uh, kind of made me the more most nervous I'd ever been at, at one point. But no, that was a that was quite the experience and, and a learning deal um, with that. So there's a pizza business that. Uh, so the the class I want to say was a. Uh, entrepreneurship or I can't remember the name of the yeah. the class but basically what you did was everybody had a a mock pizza business that they were making or building and you had to consider everything from your input costs your rent um you know you you did it all so you had that and then you had your sales and your grade was actually based off of how your business did so every week we would do something with it or every class we would do something with it and make a move with our business and, and decide if we wanted to, you know, buy more dough or, you know, put more into marketing or, you know, what we wanted to do with our money. And I just remember seeing those numbers and what they did and, and how things went. But what would happen is at the beginning of class, every time the professor would, start from the bottom and say there was, I don't know, say there was 20 kids in the class. Mm -hmm. He would start at number 19, not 20 and work to 18 to 17 to 16 up to the top. And the, the top one was the, uh, the one that did the best as, as far as revenue that day or that week. So he would get to the top and there was only going to be two left. The one that did number one and the one that did number 20. So, after number two, you were sweating it if you were one of those last two. <laughs> That's pressure. Yeah. And and so it came to the very end of class, like the end of the, the term. Yeah. And this was our big finale. And I remember just thinking, oh, this is the absolute worst. <laughs> because it was getting to five, four. My name still hadn't been called or the name of my business. I don't remember what it was, but still hadn't been up there. And he got to two, still wasn't me. So I'm like, okay, I totally bombed this deal. And I remember on my on my my numbers how I was just I threw tons of money at it uh, as far as it was marketing dollars, and I was just getting this big swing in sales each week when I was throwing marketing numbers at it. But then sometimes you would run out of dough, so you'd run out of your pizza dough, and you'd run out of your supplies. And, so this last one, I just threw a kind of a Hail Mary at it one time. And on the last one, I thought, well, I lost. I'm going to be number 20 here. There's no way because I <laughs> totally blew my money on So much confidence, what, Kyle. What shouldn't have been <laughs> spending money on. And actually, I was number one. So awesome. it was it was a pretty cool deal. Yeah. And and you didn't run out right after that class and start a business. That's the thing. Yeah. So you still <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Hey, before we wrap up. I thought also one of the most interesting things about 
the things you told me before we came on air is your biggest disappointment um, in some ways has come around athletics, right? And you got a very important lesson um, way back when. Most of the time on the show, we're talking about these huge, huge highs, right, in the yeah. athletic arena. But for you, it worked a little bit differently. So tell me about that experience of, 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 of being at kind of the high in fifth grade, maybe not seeing that success and how that's helped you today. Yeah, so it's actually um, back when we were kids that you just kind of, we mentioned at the beginning, all of us were, we were awesome in basketball and football. And um, I think junior high, we were pretty much undefeated in, in football and basketball. I have to go back and ask uh, Stu Essman and, and Kim Bush. Yeah, for, great coaches, for, by uh, the way. For, to confirm that for us. But I want to say there was only maybe one or two losses um, throughout those two years. But it was kind of crazy. We we hit, uh, you know, we're going into high school and we're thinking, hey, we're going to be state champs next year. We're going to be great. You know, we're going to rock. And, um, so it turned out the group kind of got split up. So now you're in high school. You got guys that went to play varsity right away. You got guys that are, you know, just kind of some were wrestling and not playing basketball or they couldn't do it all. And so we just got split up. And, and I had mentioned earlier, you know, some of us were way bigger than other kids at the time too. So Coach Calera thought that. Yeah, yeah. Something in that Ashland water was making <laughs> us, you know, six foot in sixth grade or whatever it was. And, um, but yeah, we, we kind of just, I wouldn't say totally fell apart, but we weren't near as good on the, on the wind column as we were, uh, in prior years. So it was a deal where, you know, we just kind of did different things and, and, um, like I said, not really fell apart, but we, we weren't winning as much. Yeah. How'd that help you today? So that's, you know, something today that it's just, I can accept failure mm -hmm. and not so much the failure. It's, you know, it's knowing what to do or knowing when to move on. Um, it's like the woodworking thing. It was mm. like, you know, I know this isn't for me and, and I can move on and kind of put it in the past, but it's one of those where you, you can still look back on it and, and, and learn from it, but not dwell on it. Yeah. Well, listen, you don't have to worry much about failure these days. You have built balanced lawns into something to be extremely proud of. It has grown and it has grown in a way that every owner envies. And that is people say, go to this guy. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to work real hard at it because you've done an incredible job. So congratulations on that. And, uh, hey, continued success, and, and thank you so much for coming on the show today. You bet. Thank you. A Huda Media Production.